0: I chose Tulane's Executive MBA program as a means to gain skills in business law, management, finance, and value creation. Almost immediately after graduation, I was promoted to a chief judge role. Now, I am Chief Judge Tamiya Gordon.
1: From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports.
2: It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Even if you know nothing about business, if your only link to business is listening to this show... You've probably heard about the distinction between working in your business and working on your business. Working in your business is what you have to do to get it up and running. Working on your business is what you have to do to keep it running and especially to grow it. Now how you make that transition from starting a business to running a business is vital. It's the pathway to success and that pathway is not always easy to find. To help you there are a wide range of books that might be best described as self-help literature for business, there are business gurus, and there are whole companies of business consultants. All of these options offer various techniques for working on your business. Now there's a new product that pulls a lot of these threads together. It's a piece of business development software, appropriately called Align. Align was founded in 2014, and so far it's been used by over 15,000 clients in 64 countries. Align is headquartered here in New Orleans under the leadership of CEO Doug Walner. Doug, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. Bill Hines is a prime example of a person who moved from working in his business to working on his business. For 20 years, Bill worked as a corporate attorney. He specialized in transactions and financing for public and private companies both domestically and internationally. You might have heard at the beginning of this show some information about our sponsor, the law firm Jones Walker. That announcement says Jones Walker has over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the United States. Well, the person who manages all those attorneys and most other aspects of Jones Walker's business is none other than Bill Hines. Bill started at Jones Walker in 1982. In 2006, he stopped working in the business and started working on the business as the company's managing partner. Bill, after being our major sponsor for a better part of a decade, you finally get a free lunch at Commander's. <laughs> this, <laughs> welcome Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Now, Doug, I recently saw an instructional video called How to Play Piano Like Dr. John. <laughs> It's a recording of Dr. John himself sitting at a piano showing you how he plays various songs. This video would be really helpful if I could already play piano almost as well as Dr. John. All a regular piano player can do with this video though is marvel at Dr. John's talent and confirm that no matter how many times you watch it, you could never play like that. What I'm wondering is how similar is this to a person who may not know much about business getting Align software? If this person, like our wannabe piano player, is enthusiastic but not very skilled, can Align ever make that person into a successful business owner? And if a person already has a good business sense, and if they're the business equivalent of an almost-as-good Dr. John, do they need someone holding their hand? What I'm getting at is, who is Align's customer?
1: Uh, it's. Uh good question uh, our customer is anybody who is trying to sort of scale their business um, what we find actually is most of our customers who are coming to us um, already have some semblance of success to be honest with you they, they they've they've gotten their company to a point where um, it's grown um, they have a lot of people working towards the their their business effort but they just don't know how to sort of wrangle it all together and and sort of calm the chaos if you will um, the, the business might be growing too fast for them. So that's we find most of the people who come to us Have that issue. Um, they, they've had a good idea. They've got the business growing, but now they need to put some structure and process in place So you know like the piano uh, video you'd probably want to sort sort of develop good habits in your business uh, and practice these habits on a regular basis so that you can make it more innate in your company and more part of your culture Um, and so what we do with our software is we give you the structure and the process and that allows you to sort of implement the good habits inside the business and over time they develop so whether it's uh, habits around communication or habits around strategic planning uh, or habits around um, taking the pulse of the organization, doing it regularly. Um, Our software allows you to do a lot of that stuff and, and, and allows you to grow and take the chaos out of the growth.
2: Bill, I think most of us have the idea that there are two kinds of lawyers. There are guys who have billboards with slogans like, one call, that's all, and don't take a check till you check with me. And then there's the rest of the world's attorneys. We picture them sedately in their offices waiting for someone to call. The truth is no doubt somewhere in between. You don't want 375 attorneys sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, but you need to have an understanding of more sophisticated methods of marketing than interstate billboards, which means keeping up with changes in social media and promoting businesses in places like LinkedIn. As the leader of a traditionally conservative business like a law firm. How do you deal with the change? Do you try to get ahead of it and be an innovator, or do you follow trends?
3: Yeah, you know, Peter, I think um, that that is actually the biggest tension. I mean, all the humor side about the, the, the lawyers on the billboards, is law as a profession versus law as a business, and. Um, I do, you know, just try to be nice because I'm friends with some of those lawyers who have their faces on billboards. Um, and I do think, though, they are more law as a, as a business than as a profession. I mean, they just, they've just gone commercial. So at a place like Jones-Walker, we're definitely law as a profession. But then that's a tension I have to deal with, which is um, you, you can no longer – I mean, if you, if you have a great reputation, I guess there are a few lawyers probably in America – but even they may have made their reputation through some form of marketing, but it could have just been results. There are a few of those people like a David Bowies or an Alan Dershowitz, but when you see them on TV, they're marketing too. But they made their name. But to most lawyers, if you just tried to sit like the old days and wait for the phone call, and a lot of it used to be family connections 40 years ago, that just doesn't happen anymore. So it has to be a fine line between maintaining the profession and, and business development. And we can talk more about that, but it's everything from from you know, clown entertainment into jokes about meals and trips and things like that. Um, we don't do, at least at our firm, we don't believe a lot in, um, in, in just sort of paid advertising in terms of, and I mean, not just the billboards, but a one-shot ad in a magazine. It's become much more, one thing our chief marketing officer talks about is thought leadership, so you can even say the kind of thing we're doing today, but having our lawyers be out in, in, a, in a public forum, either on TV or radio, or in just a speech, or now on Facebook and Instagram. And I will say, some of our lawyers have a little indigestion that we have a Facebook and Instagram paid ad, but we do, and we use a LinkedIn a lot as well. And I think it's just it's 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 evolving. It's a fine line. I will say, more of our lawyers that are probably 50 and 50 and under totally embrace it, and I'm one of the few that's 50 and older that also totally embrace it. But a lot of our 50
2: pluses still think they like to do it the old way. And I imagine that's something you run into, right? Uh, Is you bring technology into into an office, and some people are all for it and some aren't. And your software, you need to kind of be all in. I mean, this isn't, you know, we... (laughs)
1: yeah, that's true. <clears throat> it, there definitely is. Um, the more the more people you have in the organization on the platform, the more data you're gonna get out of it. So obviously, getting full participation across your organization is pretty critical. Um, look, software's made its way into the into the workplace today. So I don't think uh, I think you know we have the typical um, challenges that most software companies do, but I think what's really, becoming the bigger problem is is not so much will they adopt technology, it's which technology will they adopt and and the fight for that customer in terms of the SaaS applications that are sitting on their desktop. Um, so you know everybody's got the basics, the CRM, the project management, and you know what we're trying to um, demonstrate to the to our, our potential clients is, hey, again, you I think you started out this way. It's not so much of working in your business like a like a finance application like QuickBooks or or a project management like Asana or Salesforce. Those are for working in your business on a daily basis. Our software is for working on your business as you suggested at the beginning of this and 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 what we find is that a lot of companies just don't spend time doing that. And so we're trying to set ourselves apart as hey this is critical software for working on your business that you need to have inside your organization. And they likely don't have any software for working on their business in that in that organization. So from that perspective, it's, it's, a, it's a very strategic sale, but it's an important piece of software to have in that environment. And
2: so, you know, we're fighting for the desktop inside, inside that uh, enterprise as well. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Doug Wallner, CEO of the business development software company Align, and Bill Hines, managing partner of the Jones-Walker Law Firm. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening Doubt to, to Lunch. I'm Peter Rashuti. I'm talking with Doug Walner, CEO of the business development software company Align, and Bill Hines, managing partner of the Jones-Walker Law Firm. Bill, you brought a very different kind of uh, business environment to this community. And uh, uh, and a lot of people, I mean, you think about your marketing, a lot of your marketing is the things you sponsor in the community. I guess that's uh, you know the successes you've had, like bringing us an NBA team and things like Things like that. I guess that's all part of uh, getting Jones Walker out there. So
3: yes, but this is in that you've really hit an interesting story about about the cynicism maybe of, of 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 lawyers in some ways, and maybe maybe clients toward lawyers. I'll use the Hornets as example, and then and then um, you know, do you do you really also just care about the community that can indirectly benefit your business? So. Um, when I was chairing the effort, I do remind people to get the Grizzlies, and we failed. And so it's also you have to remember, if we had not tried, we did not get the Grizzlies. They went to Memphis because Memphis had FedEx, and we didn't. And that was only one year before the Hornets. So we had the exact same civic effort and team, but we failed. Um, and, but the point is also when you fail, we learned we were missing one thing. And so we knew, we actually thought we weren't going to get a second bite of the apple, but there's only been one other bite ever since then, which was the Hornets, and we got that bite. Um, when that happened. But here's the issue, when I was leading the civic effort to get the Grizzlies, the owner of the Grizzlies, uh, I'm not going to say the lawyer's name, because that wouldn't be fair to him, he and I were friendly, but the only Grizzlies had been college roommates at Georgetown with a lawyer about 10 years older than me that was head of a competitor law firm in New Orleans. And had several, it wasn't even people at Jones Walker, several people in town tell me and it tells me how people think about lawyers Bill I mean you're totally wasting your time doing this because if the team comes here you know so and so is going to be their lawyer because of the college or anything and my law partners might have gotten mad at me but I really looked at them and said you, this is a serious comment Ron right? they said no everybody, that's what everyone's saying behind your back they feel bad for you I said no offense I'm not remotely doing this for Jones Walker I mean I'm, I'm doing this for New Orleans because I like New Orleans and sports and all that and my point is We've had numerous efforts after that. We did save Avondale. People forget, I mean, I know it's gone now, but we got a $150 million package after that, and then we got the Hornets, and I did ultimately become the Hornets General Counsel, so that did have a happy ending. But the point is... I told people in Houston, they think this is all a joke because there's so many businesses to go after. The problem in New Orleans is we've been dumbing down since I left here in the late 70s where we were larger than Houston, Atlanta, just better, just barely, but we've been contracting so everyone is fighting over the same fish and I said I don't mean this just to be you know just a nice guy but if we had a thousand more fish all the different law firms here would prosper now the bad news is that we had a lot more fish the big national firms would come in like they have in Houston but they're not going to come to New Orleans because they don't have enough fish yet but so it's not just altruistic but it's like the city needs to think bigger, which is if you had a bigger business community, it affects philanthropy and that sort of thing. It's the same set of banks and law firms that are asked for money for United Way and unity and all that. And then I keep telling them they need to attract more business here to help philanthropy.
2: We talked about a business that came here you, yourself. Uh, Doug, what about um, when well, you're here, you're doing well. What is it you, you don't have here? Like are there are there skill sets that uh, are you still having trouble uh, filling
1: yeah i i uh, we we do have skill sets that we're looking for that aren't uniquely here or aren't aren't um, indigenous to this market i you know i think especially in the SaaS space there hasn't been a huge SaaS uh... software as a service sas stands for software as a service Um Technology base here, and I think just having people who sold that kind of software before, um, or people who've made that kind of software before—it's—it's—it's it's, it's new, uh, and it's probably within the last seven or eight years that we've even had companies doing that here. So finding the talent who really understands how to sell that or how to develop that software—it's it, been hard. I think we've we've made good inroads on the development side, and I think that market is getting better and better. We're finding talent here, um, and and it is also easier to you know, hire talent in other places that work remotely. Um, Obviously, we want the jobs here, uh, and that's the goal, but um, we have to do what we have to do as a company to get started. We're here. Uh, but finding people who know how to sell SaaS software has been kind of hard in this market Is that kind
2: of a unicorn, a person that would understand the technology and be a salesperson? Yeah, sales it's, a little, it's
1: a little different how you sell it um, and just going, it's, it's a little different process how you sell it. A lot, a lot of inside sales, phone sales, um, a lot of content marketing and sort of going through it uh, what we call the top of funnel marketing, whittle it down uh, to getting the final sales call. So that, just that whole process and how to how to interact with that process as a salesperson is unique. And I, I think it's not your traditional uh, enterprise sales or enterprise software sales process. So, we, uh, you know, we will we, we'll, we'll try to train anybody to do it, but um, finding that talent here has been hard. Peter, uh, I, I can add one thing to that, just because I'm obviously not in the technology business, but
3: more on the economic development side. So when Stephen Moray was secretary of economic development under Governor Jindal, if you talk to a Michael Hecht and others, and my children are in their late 20s and, and 30s, to his point, the next harder part, which I've never really thought about is, of course, now we have this problem, too, because we've lost so many energy jobs to Texas. But the, one of the reasons it was easy to attract people that were in their 20s, 30s, and 40s in the energy industry in the 70s and 80s here is, and I just never thought this way, is they always say, well, what if I get fired or want to quit but want to stay in the city? There's 10 other energy companies I can go to. What I'm told is of that age group, and by the heck mores, is, is if I'm coming to your company and I'm talking to people at Turbo Squid, at Lucid, those places, the pushback they get is I know it's going to work out great, but let's just say you don't like me or I don't like you. If I'm in Dallas or somewhere, there's 10 other companies I can go to in New Orleans, and actually my first choice in New Orleans, but if I don't stick with you, I, ha- I have nowhere else to go. And now. Once you state that, though, you can just give up. I mean, to me, the answer is no. You just have to keep growing it to scale to have more of that. But that is you know, that is the next step, is having more of these companies sort of
2: horizontally so that if you and that person do have a falling out, they can get another job somewhere. Yeah, and that potential employee, I guess what you're thinking through is, They've brought their family here, and they don't want to uproot again. That is, uh... we're we're making progress on that, and
1: I think you know the market's gotten better for for a company like us to have that talent around. Uh, We just need a little bit more. We're just you know we're sort of we're growing it, and we have some of the bigger uh, tech companies that the economic development groups have brought in and brought into the city. Have you know we I look at that as a positive for the city, and people say, well aren't you scared they'll take your talent? I said, no, they'll probably give us that talent because um, they're going to spend a lot of dollars recruiting people. Um, the reality is, is that that they'll get their training at those organizations and then they can move lateral to ours. So I, I, I think
2: that's really great for our market, and it is it is creating more talent overall in, in the New Orleans market. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Rashudi. I'm talking with Bill Hines, managing partner of Jones-Walker Law Firm, and Doug Wallner, CEO of business development software company Align. Uh, Bill, Bill and Doug, this is the part of the show we call the interview. You're both dealing constantly with employees. Uh, When you hire someone, no matter how sophisticated your HR department is, at the end of the day, the decision about whether someone is a good fit for you and your company comes down to a conversation. Uh, Lately, there's been an interesting trend in the hiring conversation. It consists of asking people questions that go beyond the resume and test someone's ability to think through a problem. I have a list of sixteen of these probing interview questions in front of me. I'm going to ask you each to pick a number between one and sixteen. I'll ask you the question, and I want you to tell me how you'd answer it. Uh, who wants to go first?
3: I'll go. There's oh, the, I'm are, the lawyer. I'll go. Oh, so. <laughs> and I, good. I, I'll pick unlucky thirteen. Unlucky that's what
2: I thirteen. Do, so. Oh my, Bill. Uh, no. <laughs> if you were on an island and could only bring three things, what would you bring? And, and it's a deserted island. That's the yeah. trick. I, I think. Well, like, yeah. There's not going to Could you
3: get a boring answer? I guess I'd I'd bring you know as much food as possible, as much water as possible, and on the third item, I would. I'd want a a, a, a TV that has some sort of satellite connection, and then I'd generally be happy. You'd be, that, that would be enough. That's a base for you. That- four, liquor would be a four, Like, You <laughs> can put that in the food or drink products. And then I'd be happy.
2: Only in New Orleans would that go.
3: I want to see, do they have personality? Leadership skills. I've looked down for class presidents, team captains, head of different civic or charitable things. And, but a lot of the lawyers really disagree with me. All they cared about. So, for example, I might hire, I'm not going to hire number 50 in the class, but for my cars, I might hire number 10 over number one. And nothing wrong with number one, but they're a genius, but there's just no personality. And number 10 is smart enough, but has all the personality traits, and 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 they frankly end up being the more successful lawyers. Well, the
2: firm has grown so much since you came on, it's almost twice the size it, it was. Uh, a lot of that has been, uh, not through these little interview process, but um, M&A, mm-hmm. so that's become a big part of what you do, I guess, because uh, you're in so many different cities.
3: Yeah, and I think about that, too, because I, I was an M&A and finance lawyer, so people say you don't practice law anymore. In a weird way, I'm also what you're not supposed to be. I'm, I'm my own lawyer and client. It's like a doctor should not practice medicine on himself. <laughs> but I, the reason I bring that up is it would be interesting because whoever comes after me someday, and, and, and I'm, I know at other law firms, that management partner is a litigator. And I do wonder, I'm sure a litigator can manage people, but when I go to look at acquiring a law firm, and very often their managing partner on the other side is a litigator, I can just tell they're like a deer in the headlights, and so you don't want to be arrogant about it, but you can say, well, here's how this is going to go. And I show them kind of this is the process, and it kind of makes them nervous. And I just wonder, like, it, you would not want to send me to court. Um, you know, it just, <laughs> I, you know, but I, I don't know what I'm doing there. And so it has been an advantage from a growth standpoint is that. I've just I've done deals for big public and private companies, and so when you're acquiring a law firm, and it's not just the paperwork; it's knowing I might say it, how to socialize and woo them over a period of times, because most of them sort of want to be bought, but then sort of maybe would rather not be bought, and it takes a few meetings just to
2: get them comfortable. What do you look for? Uh, by the way, in that, do you look for just just the book of business they're going to bring in, or is it a cultural fit? Or it's it's for me, yeah, it's well, book of business is going
3: to fit with whatever it is, but. The two things we'd be looking for would be number one um, specialization, like we're trying to grow energy, healthcare, banking, financial services. So right now it's like a lot more of our technology practice. So it's it's that, and then number two, that's still the main driver. But number two is uh, geography for us. We have gotten, I mean, we're now, I guess, in eight or nine states and 17 offices. So it's geography. But but anyway, it blows lawyers' minds is we almost hired some lawyers and we end up not hiring them. In energy, because that has been our, our kind of bread and butter for years. But they would have been in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and in some other town in Ohio. And probably, luckily for me, that deal died just in terms of the board at their firm was like, "You have to be kidding me." And I said, "No, no," because we're primarily about—I mean, I said about industry sectors, and that's energy fracking in those areas, and it fits. It's all the fracking and all that. But that was going to be a mind bender for them. They were much more comfortable if it was in Texas or somewhere like that. But so now with technology, obviously that could mean I have several Southern firms we'd like to do that that have opened small offices in San Francisco, which could come for us someday, you know, because of their technology practice. But so, you know, it's so I'd say it's it's but just not just a, a you know, what I don't want to do is I know some other firms, I won't name them, some are New Orleans, they keep just getting bigger, size for size sake. It doesn't seem there's a plan. They just they just they just get bigger to get bigger. And that actually, I think, can ultimately blow a firm up culturally.
2: That's why they need your software. Well, those that was going to be my question.
1: We have, we have a deal is. here. We're going <laughs> to. So, so, how much planning do you do in terms of strategic planning, and do you do that annually? And yeah, yeah. so, so, so,
3: so we do a um, we do a, a, an, a you know a true committee and a strategic plan every five years. So that be like, like a, I mean a hardcore that has to get like adopted by the board and all that. And then we're supposed to, and I think it's the same thing, we're getting better at it. We're supposed to evaluate it annually, and I'm supposed to lead that effort, you know, because it needs tweaking. If this this was a good idea, but it didn't work, and this one's working, Or double down. So, like, we're right now in year two of our latest strategic plan, and um, and I think, you know, we keep fine-tuning it. And, and some of it can be industry changes. I, mean, I know Peter follows this a lot, which is... You know, the energy sector, and I certainly hope it comes back robust at some point, but we're not just sitting around and, you know, we kind of have that covered, but we're doubling down a lot more into technology. I spent two hours yesterday with a, with a, with a biotech group, so life sciences in New Orleans, and they, they knew of me and it up but civically, so I brought a couple of our younger lawyers with us that are practicing in the area they want, which is more IP. And I think that went well, but, I mean, our energy lawyers or our maritime lawyers just wouldn't have understood anything that would be being discussed with the life sciences crowd.
2: All right. Now, Doug, this, I been, you've had some time to think about this now on this
3: well, one, right. He's got his, one his. through 16 number. Which one are you going to go I'm going to go with? for
2: number six. Number six. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm sure you've thought about this a lot. Why are manhole covers round?
1: Wow, how do I answer that question? I guess they're round because if you think about it, they can't fall the 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 lid cannot fall within the hole. So that's technically the reason that they're round, I think, is the right
2: answer, right? We we had an engineer and that's supposedly the right answer. Yes, that's a great
1: engineering answer. That's an engineering
2: answer. That is great. No wonder you're doing so well. There's (laughs)
1: What would, if that, that's, that's kind of a cognitive question, right? I mean, so you would say, hey, does the person have good cognitive skills uh, if they answer it correctly? Um, I do, I do in our hiring practice, I look for smart people. I, I, I happen to be, my past has been in, I've run an assessment business and we did both uh, we did pre-employment uh, assessment, so, you know, this is sort of right up my alley, but um, we looked for, well, we would advise our clients to look for smart people, but it is also about personality, so we would have soft skills as well.
2: Um, we but, can find smart a lot of different ways, right? I mean, yeah, that we be- do,
1: but but smart is smart, and there's a reason that's, you know, hiring smart people will get you far, um, and that is because you can, you know, they have a high capacity for learning, and they have a high capacity to learn what you're trying to, you know, get them into in your business and so um, you will succeed better with smart people um, but you also have to have the personality and the soft skills because you could be really smart but if you can't talk to anybody inside the organization and communicate you're gonna have a real problem so um, the soft skills
2: are truly important. When you watch a movie All you care about are the two or three main characters on the screen. Then, when the movie's over and the credits roll, you discover the names of hundreds of people who actually made the movie. It's similar in business. For every successful company, there's a small army of ancillary support in the form of lawyers, advisors, and consultants. Bill and Doug, you both work in the background, often without getting any credit for all your many contributions to the success of local, national, and international businesses. I'm glad we could drag you into the spotlight for 30 minutes, and thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. And, Bill, I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to thank you and Jones Walker for being staunch supporters of all kinds of cultural, nonprofit, and business ventures in New Orleans, not the least of which is this show. So, from everyone who works on Out to Lunch and who benefits from listening to it, thank you. Thanks, Peter. My guests in Out to Lunch today have been Bill Hines, managing partner of Jones Walker Law Firm, and Doug Wallner, CEO of Align Technology Corporation. You can find out more about Jones Walker and line by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and find past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts. And you can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from the show on itsneworleans.com on its New Orleans Out to Lunch Facebook page and on Instagram. The photos today were taken by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Reschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national and international client base. joneswalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. The It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.